Let's pray. Lord, as we come to your word today, as we go over this prayer of Jesus for us specifically, as your people, as his disciples, Lord, help us to understand, Lord, what it means for us and understand how you have answered your son's prayer. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we continue looking today at Jesus' prayer to his Father at the end of his farewell discourse with his disciples. The part of Jesus' prayer that I'm concentrating my sermon on today pertains directly to us, Jesus' disciples in this world today. And we know this because Jesus says in verse 20 of, of chapter 17, I do not pray for these alone, speaking about the disciples who were around him then, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. We are those people. It is us who have believed in Jesus through his original disciples' word, their witness their written witness about Jesus, the testament of which we are actually looking at today from the Gospel of John. How did you believe in Jesus? Either you heard a testimony about him from someone else who believed the disciples' word or you believed directly from reading their account. The Apostle Peter wrote this about his and his fellow disciples' testimony in 2 Peter 1.16. We did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And we disciples of Jesus today believed Peter's testimony. Do you see then how this prayer pertains to us, this prayer of Jesus? So Jesus prays for us, and, he, and his prayer is this, that we all may be one in Jesus and in his Father. One, as the Father is in Jesus and Jesus is in the Father. And the purpose of that oneness or unity is to reveal the truth of God, that the world may believe that God the Father sent Jesus. The purpose of our unity, the unity of us disciples of Jesus with Jesus and the Father, is for a witness so that others in the world may believe the truth, again, by our unity with the Father and with the Son. A common misreading of this, this passage is that unity with all Christians or all Christian churches is what Jesus is praying about. And that's not it, at least not directly. Remember, there is no Christian church without Jesus, and there is no unity without uniting with him, 
his Father, and the Holy Spirit. And that's where we have to start, with the triune God. If we leave God out of the equation for the sake of unity, we have obviously missed the point and missed the boat. And unfortunately, many so-called Christian churches today have already missed it because the unifying factor that they are aspiring to is not God. It's unity for unity's sake. Intolerance for all is their motto. But God does not tolerate sin. And theirs is a false and ungodly unity. The Godhead is what the unity is in and all about. And we, as redeemed followers of Jesus, are invited into God's unity. And we are not to have a separate unity because God is perfect and we are not, as some would like to put it, so as to faintly reflect God. No. God wants us to put forth a true picture of him. And how do we know that? How do we know that it's not just to faintly reflect God, hoping that somehow God might be noticed by others? We know that's not so because of the very next sentence of Jesus in verse 22. He says, And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that is, his disciples. Now, that glory is a godly, untainted glory that Jesus is referring to. And that glory is the unifying factor and source that Jesus has given to us to reflect him. So what exactly is that glory that Jesus received from the Father and gives to his disciples? Well, if we do our research and go through the Gospels, especially through the Gospel of John, since this is what we are studying, we should see what that glory is. And we can begin looking at the things that Jesus received from the Father, which he gave to his disciples as they are recorded. Those things which could possibly be labeled glory. And here we might also recall the Exodus reading today and perhaps also Moses' encounter with God in Exodus 33 when he besought God saying, show me your glory. And God responded by revealing his character verbally to Moses and allowing Moses to see a small visible manifestation of him so that he would not be overwhelmed and even die. Show me your glory would mean reveal to me your essence. And God can do that any way he pleases to us. So again, what is this glory that Jesus received from the Father that he gave to his disciples, which might be labeled glory? 
Let's read what Jesus prayed earlier in this prayer in John 17, 8. He prayed to the Father, I have given to them the words you have given me, and they have received them and have known surely that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. So it seems from that, because Jesus received those words from God and gave them to his disciples, that words, those words, God's words, are his glory. The words that Jesus received from the Father and gave to his disciples had fulfilled God's purpose. Jesus' disciples did believe through those words that God the Father had given to Jesus, and we have those words today, both in our Bibles and in our hearts if we have taken them in and received them. And we too can in, share, in turn share those words unadulterated to others. Others who haven't heard those words yet. They're there for us, they're clear, they're written in our language, and we can share them. And with sharing them, we share God's glory. What else is this glory that God, that Jesus received from the Father and gave to his disciples? Well, let's read from Matthew 28, 18 through 19. There Jesus said to his disciples, all glory has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus was given authority by his Father, and he in turn gave authority to his disciples in the Great Commission. And he did that not only in the Great Commission when he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, but he even did that before that. He even gave them authority before that. Back in Luke 9, 1 and 2, Jesus called his disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. That was way back when he sent, had sent them out two by two early in their ministry. And Jesus said what he said in Matthew 28, just before he left his disciples for heaven at the, at the end of his ministry with them. He said, again, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. What else is that glory that Jesus received from the Father and gave to his disciples? Well, that's it. It's his power and his authority. Again, why did Jesus give his disciples uh, his glory, whether it's power and authority or his words, as I previously described? 
Again, it's to make more disciples. It's to reveal God to the world. Continuing on, we ask again, what else was the glory that Jesus received from the Father and gave to his disciples? Is there something else? Well, think about what we celebrated with Bishop Charlie a few weeks ago on Pentecost Sunday. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on him and the other disciples, said this, This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. That's from Acts 2, 32-33. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. And we know Jesus had told them about that beforehand. He had said to them, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Did his disciples reach the end of the earth? Not those 12, but that's why we're included. And that was fulfilled on that day, and it continued on and continues on. Acts 4.33 says, And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. So again, to answer that question, what was the glory that Jesus received from the Father and gave to his disciples? Yes, the promise of the Holy Spirit was that glory. Jesus received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, and he poured it out on his disciples. Jesus gave the disciples the Holy Spirit, didn't he? And what was the result? With great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So Jesus received from the Father and gave to his disciples God's word, God's power and authority, and the promise of God's Holy Spirit. And that is God's glory that gave witness to the living Jesus after Jesus was physically gone back to heaven. And that glory is the glory that Jesus was referring to when he prayed, the glory which you gave me, I have given them. And the Holy Spirit also gives us the very character of God when we yield to him because he's in us. But why again did he give his disciples the glory? Yes, it was for unity, but it wasn't simply for unity with, with one another. 
It was for unity with him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and with one another, one another, those who are submitted to him, those who have his word, those who have his Holy Spirit, those who have his, his power, their anointing upon him. He gave it to us, he says, that the world may know that God the Father sent him and has loved them as he has loved Jesus. Jesus gave his disciples and gives to us his glory, his word, his power, his Holy Spirit, so that the world would know that Jesus sent them and that the sent him and that the world would know that God loves them. He gave them that glory so that they could testify of God's love and God's grace and God's redemption of the world through Jesus Christ. So thinking about that is God's gospel and and his mission, his glory as well? Absolutely, because it is a God-breathed and God-given mission to us. A commission or a mission with God that he has sent us on. And Jesus goes on in verse 24, Father, I desire that they also whom you have gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me. You know, recently, we lost our dear sister Shirley, and at her graveside last week, I told her family and friends who had gathered there that God answered that prayer for Shirley. She is with Jesus where he is now. And that was his prayer. I desire, Father, that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am. She's with Jesus. She's with him where he is. And he will answer, God will answer that prayer for each of us who submit to him and follow him in this world afterward. But first, let's accept what he has given for us here and now for the godly mission that he's also given us. He gives us his word, his power, his authority, his spirit. For that mission to be his witnesses. Jesus goes on, verse 25, O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them, that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. There we see it again. 
God's love is also the glory that Jesus received from the Father and gave to his disciples. God's love, which comes through, which is poured out by the Holy Spirit upon us, is in us. And this love is the very mortar that binds all true Christians together in unity. No, we won't believe uh, completely all doctrine that is uh, interpreted differently by, uh, by different denominations. We, we, we read it different, differently, the non-essentials, but we, we have his word and he will give us, Lord, if we, we seek him and desire to, to know the truth, he will reveal it. But sometimes we do differ in doctrine. That doesn't have to break our unity in love. Yes, we have unity in his word and we cannot change his word. Those who disregard it or, or uh, say it's saying something that it doesn't say, we cannot have unity with them because God's word is one of these instruments of unity that I've described. But moving on, we might ask ourselves if God's love is manifest enough in us to the world around us that they would recognize it as supernatural and recognize the love that we have as witnessing God. And we can ask the same thing of God's word. It is, is it in us enough and broadcast enough that the world recognizes God through it? God's power and authority, the same thing. We can ask the same thing again of that and God's Holy Spirit. Is it enough that the world takes notice that God is alive and in his people today? And if it is not, then what can we do about it? Well, we can pray. And we can take time in and yield to God's word. We can ask his spirit to do its work again, cleaning up our hearts so that we don't get in the way of God. And then when that's done, we must go and we must act in his name and in his power and in his authority by his Holy Spirit. So know his word and know your place and your calling in God. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and go. God will do the rest. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you again for your word we do thank you again for your holy spirit we do thank you again for 
the work that you do in salvation, in justification, in sanctification, in glorification, Lord, of these creatures, Lord, these creatures that you breathe life into, Lord, myself and all your people. Lord, we thank you that you cared enough, you loved us enough to, to do that and loved us enough even to include us in your unity and in your mission in this world to all the world, to everyone who you love. And Lord, help us to understand that. Help us to understand how much we rely upon you for everything. And help us to share you with others, share you with our neighbors, share you with our friends, share you with our enemies, Lord. Share your love with this world and therefore make the difference that you intended. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.